0: what up world it's your past first point guard and blazer beat writer mike richmond you're listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts we got big news in Blazerland as the team has marked itself open for business officially trading kent basemore anthony tolliver f- future second round picks in 2024 and 2025 to the sacramento kings in exchange for trevor reza Wenyon Gabriel and Caleb Swanigan. Big news when Wenyon Gabriel is on the move. So that's what we got to talk about. Get a little deeper into the what and why this trade went down. In the second segment, I want to answer the question, did the Blazers get better? Are they better now? And we'll close the show talking about what's next. What else could be on the docket for the Blazers now that they have officially signaled themselves Open for business. Let's start with the what and the why. The what is sending Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver and a couple second round picks down the road to the Kings. Kent Bazemore was supposed to be an energy backup wing. He was always probably going to be asked to be too much of a defensive stopper, maybe above what he's capable of, just because of the way the Blazers built this team, even if completely healthy. But he wasn't supposed to be their starting small forward. And I think his role had sort of outsized his abilities. And in addition, he just never found out, never figured out how his offense was going to work out. He shot a career low from the field, which really was just about him falling off a cliff on two pointers. He couldn't score when he put the ball on the ground he wasn't finishing well his catch and shoot numbers were always okay but he wasn't a lights out three-point shooter in fact he was below league average this year shooting around 33 percent from deep his decision making was super wonky and like i said uh, in addition to the kind of head scratching turnovers and the bricks i think he was just being asked to do too much on defense he was he was always going to be someone who they leaned on to be a important defender for him but he was never in the sort of complimentary role as like he should have been, flying around defensively with energy plays, and he had all of a sudden moved into the spot where he was asked to be the ace, guard other team's best players. That's an unfair ask. So the Blazers cut ties. They also had to cut ties with Anthony Tolliver to make this work, or to to push this deal through. They didn't have to include Tolliver, I guess. They chose to include Tolliver in this deal. Tolliver was supposed to be a shooter. Uh, I thought going into the season that he would be a fringe rotation guy, like either the ninth or 10th man. Instead, he won Terry Stotts' trust in training camp and became a staple in the rotation. He eventually lost his minutes just because he couldn't make shots. But with the way the Blazers injury situation, he was now their backup center and ingrained for major minutes most nights over the last month. But he didn't really work out either, and at 34 was relatively expendable, particularly in a deal that gets the Blazers some guys who some young guys who have a chance to play what did they get back for their troubles 34 year old trevor ariza who has looked 34 these times at times this season uh he's kind of played inconsistently for the kings he was going to be a big part of the rotation and then he fell out of the rotation just because he was struggling a little bit and then he's kind of more recently been back in it playing both the three and the four shooting right around his career average, 35%. And then they get two young bigs. Caleb Swanigan, you remember him. The Blazers drafted him in the first round, one pick before Kyle Kuzma, and then eventually traded him to the Kings, giving up on him after two seasons in exchange for Scalabesier. Well, Caleb's back. I'll talk a little bit about more about him in the second segment, but he he's going to have a real role on this team. And Wenyan Gabriel, uh, a young guy who went to Kentucky, who's basically played almost exclusively in the G League. Uh, He signed a two-way deal with the Kings, but they liked him enough to convert that deal to a regular contract back in October, making him a bona fide NBA player with a bona fide NBA deal, only to cut ties with him later. I can't imagine we see a ton of him for the Blazers, but right now we're seeing Jalen Horde play on most nights, so anything is possible. But the real reason the Blazers did this is because they shed $12.5 million in salary and they basically cut their luxury tax bill in half. Their luxury tax bill is now about a little over $6 million. This was a financially motivated move. There's no way to get around it. The The, the Blazers, as bad as they are this season, I mean, they're still a team that could definitely make the playoffs, but they, that's not what they envisioned themselves. They didn't envision themselves 10th in the West in January. They thought they were going to be third in the West in January and you just, you can't drag along the most expensive payroll in the league and be this bad. This, this was inevitable. Um, I, I'm on the record a million times saying that billionaires should just swallow and pay the money and that not worry about these things. But uh, that's these, you have to, at some point business decisions have to come, come into play because you can't be this bad and have this much money on the hook this this was going to happen at some point and it has happened and this deal while it it might they might be about the same and i'll talk about this more in the second segment this this the why of this deal is financials the the absolutely the cost cutting is is why the blazers did what they did here trevor ariza is the big piece here He's making $12.2 million this season and has a partial guarantee. He's owed $12.8 million next season should his contract fully guarantee. And the Blazers have until June 30th of this year to decide whether to pick that up. If they don't pick that up, he just has a partial guarantee on his deal for next year, $1.8 million. But here's the problem or one of the sort of hitches in the Trevor Ariza deal, the Blazers cannot use his trade, uh, use his deal to trade for someone who's making, uh, you know, thirteen million dollars somewhere else, and then have that team cut Ariza and only be on the hook for one point eight million dollars. The NBA has basically uh, closed that loophole. So if the Blazers do trade Ariza to someone in a sort of salary matching deal, they're on the hook and have to pay Ariza for all of next season. So he's not super tradable. He is cuttable at uh, not much of an expense. It'll just eat about a million dollars or $2 million into their uh, salary cap that they would have had if they had just let Bazemore walk. I guess there's some scenario in which you would say the Blazers have more flexibility because they have they can choose to keep Ariza on the roster and they could trade him next season. Uh, and he could still be traded for, you know, if they could find a team that's interested, um, take on more big money if, if that team so chooses. So... It's not all bad uh, with Ariza, but I, I can't see the Blazers paying him $13 bucks next year. So the Blazers made their first deal of the, of the season. They shipped two guys out and brought three guys back. What I want to answer in this next segment is, did they get better? To me, <laughs> it's pretty clear they didn't get worse, but will these additions they've made make this team better? So that's what we'll talk about in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you about Indeed. When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants? What about education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. And you can post a job in minutes and use your screener questions to help you create your short list of applicants fast. Also, add skills tests to your job post so you can be confident in your applicant's abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com slash LockedOn get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's Indeed.com slash LockedOn. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. All right. So we talked the what and the why of this trade. Now let's answer the question, did the Blazers get better? Did adding Trevor, Riza, Caleb Swanigan, and Wenyan Gabriel improve this team? Certainly the Blazers are going to sell it like this was a win-win, a way for them to shed some salary and to improve the team in the near term and get two young big men who can help fill their needs up front and add a veteran forward. I'm not so sure, but here's what I am sure of. I don't think the Blazers got appreciably worse with this trade. Kent Bazemore was mostly not good. Anthony Tolliver was mostly bad. Uh, I'm not sure asking a 34-year-old Trevor Reza to play 30-plus minutes a night is a great plan. He was averaging about that with the Kings, uh, but him in a really big role is going to be a challenge. Uh, he's 34 years old. I, his defensive uh, metrics, like the advanced stats, really like Trevor Riza. They're really generous to him. But the Kings games I've watched, he sometimes just looks like a 34-year-old. Uh, I, before well, well before this trade, I, I joked with a colleague that I thought Trevor Riza was one of the five worst players still in the NBA, and uh, certainly one of the five worst players making uh, as much money as he did. So that's good. Good thing my quiet hating has now turned into me having to publicly evaluate Trevor Reza, Whoops, sorry. Uh, so, but I don't think he's much. He's going to be much worse than Kent Bazemore. I think one of the big things that is valuable for the Blazers is just that Kev, Trevor is six foot nine and Kent Bazemore six five. I think being six four and being a slightly better shooter, Ariza uh, shooting thirty five percent from three to Bazemore's thirty three percent. Let's say Reza makes, you know three extra threes a week. I think that's valuable. He probably will try to do less on offense than Bazemore did more of a catch and shoot type of guy, but this isn't Trevor Ariza of three, three and five and seven years ago when he was the elite standard of three and D wing who, you know, I think blazer fans would have really pined for he's 34 years old. He's on the, he's the back half of a very solid career as a very solid role player who has won in a lot of situations but he hasn't moved the needle much for bad teams Phoenix and Washington and Sacramento late in his career. Uh, it's, I don't think he's a major downgrade from Kent Bazemore. I'm just not sure this is a massive upgrade other than him being a little bit taller. I think playing Trevor Risa and, uh, Carmelo Anthony next to each other in the front court in 2020 is quite an experiment in respecting your elders, but the Blazers were already not very good. I don't think, I don't think at worst, at worst this makes them a little bit a little bit worse because they're a little bit less athletic. But I kind of think this is a lateral move. I I, I think in terms of this just the ARESA for Baysmore swap, I think it's a lateral move. Now with the big guys. Caleb Swanigan has to play. That's that's the thing that keeps sticking out to me about this trade. The Blazers don't have another backup center. They're playing Hassan Whiteside about thirty-five to thirty-six minutes a night. So let's just say it's thirty-six minutes a night. That's 12 minutes where they need time they need someone to play backup center. They have given some of those minutes to Jalen Horde. That doesn't that seems like an untenable situation. So they're gonna bring back 6'9 Caleb Swanigan, who I think in the Fancied at least when he was here, the Blazers kind of thought maybe he's a four, but he's he's just not fast enough to play power forward. He's a center. He's a small. He's an undersized center with long arms. Um, he hasn't really played for the Kings. Um, judging how young big men develop for the Kings is um, is a challenging one. So I I kind of think Swanigan never getting a chance in Sacramento. It just tells us nothing. Uh, over basically. Parts of two seasons, halves of two seasons. He played a total of 55 minutes in 10 games. Uh, He just never really got his chance there. When he was with the Blazers, he wasn't particularly good either. Uh, He appeared in 18 games, averaged 1.9 points and 3 rebounds, shot under 32% from the floor. Uh, He's probably a lot worse than Anthony Tolliver. If I had to guess, but he's younger. Um, he's at least more. He's probably more center size, just in terms of strength, and maybe playing a young guy with upside is more palatable to the Blazers at this stage. Swanigan is just 22. He'll turn 23 at the end of this season, so that's at least maybe a little more palatable for the Blazers, considering where they are, than playing 35-year-old Anthony Tolliver out the string. It's um. I think that's a downgrade, but I do think Caleb Swanigan has a real role and has to have a real role just based on the way it works. When in Gabriel, uh, I, I, I think we'll see him just because the way the Blazers roster is, anyone who's available on any given night might need to play. Um, they only had after CJ McCollum who suffered an ankle injury. This podcast was going to be more about CJ McCollum's ankle injury. He missed. Uh, Got injured against Dallas. Missed the game against Oklahoma City. Has been ruled out for Monday's game against the Warriors. Uh, the Blazers will have eight players. They had eight healthy players available against the Oklahoma City Thunder. They have actually called up Moses Brown. Excuse me. So they'll have nine healthy players. This trade isn't going to go through uh, until the Tuesday, based on uh, Wenyu Gabriel's trade. Restrictions based on when he signed his regular NBA deal, but all that said, he's going to be on the roster and be active most nights, just because they don't have a lot of healthy bodies. But I, I don't, I can't see him getting um, a ton of minutes, but he'll play some. They, they need time at backup. I bet we'll we'll get to see some cameos from from Gabriel. Um, but I, I imagine Swanigan has a real role. Trevor Ariza starts and plays th- more than thirty minutes a night because they don't have a lot of wing options and. We'll get some cameos from Wendy and Gabriel. So let's answer the question once and for all. Did this trade make the Blazers better? No. But it also didn't make them any worse. I think this was a lateral move all the way across the board. I think having more healthy NBA-sized bodies will help them. I think they got a little worse in the back half of the rotation where they were already bad. So it'll be hard to know. But maybe Caleb Swanigan helps the rebounding a little bit. Maybe he answers some of their issues. The Blazers were really high on him at one point. I don't think they stayed that uh, excited about him, but maybe he can help. They're willing to take a risk, and they're willing to if it lets them save twelve million dollars in the process, seven million dollars in taxes in the process. It's worth it. All right, in the third segment, I want to talk about what's next. So this trade mean there's more stuff coming down the line. But before we get there. I want to tell you guys about advertising on this podcast. If you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Blazers is a great way for your local business to reach your passionate Trailblazer fan base. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives you local community with a unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If you want to connect with Trailblazers fans, let's make it happen. Put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising we look forward to hearing from you all right so what's next for the trailblazers that's the big question we talked about the what and the why of this trade i discussed a little bit whether it improved the team eh, kind of but now what's next I think that's the big question. As I opened the show, I said the Blazers are officially open for business. And I think that's what this signals. It signals that the Blazers are in cost-cutting mode. They're a team that has an avenue to get all the way out of the luxury tax. Uh, That could be appealing for them considering how much money they're on the hook for for uh, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, and assumingly how much money they'll be on the hook for if they want to keep Zach Collins on this roster, if they want to... add talented complementary players around their core they could be looking at a luxury tax situation for th- 3 consecutive four consecutive seasons after after this one and this coming one uh when the blazers after 2021 when the when the uh big extensions for McCollum and Damian Lillard kick in which means uh, not being a tax team three out of four seasons and and triggering that luxury tax could be very, very appealing to them. Unfortunately, billionaires like to save money, which means this team could make another move. And that another move, that other move, is trading Hassan Whiteside. It's getting rid of his twenty-seven million dollars and taking back six point two million dollars less than that to get below the tax line. That's what the Blazers can do next. Can they? F- can they flip Hassan Whiteside and get? A playable center who makes less money. Maybe you you take back a couple players and make it happen. They wouldn't necessarily need to send out a couple players, but you can assume just to make salaries match, you might have to send out uh the Mario Hazonia's scalabisier contracts of the world to get in, to just make things make things happen. Get get business done. I think that's a real possibility. Uh I don't think I didn't think the Blazers when I talked about why they might stand Pat is because you just... They want to they want to be competitive. They'd like to make the playoffs if possible. I think this type of trade where they get someone who's, who's basically pretty similar to who they sent out would be what they would like to do. Get someone who's, you know, a little bit worse than Hassan Whiteside or about the same level of production as Hassan Whiteside, but a little bit cheaper to get them to where they want to be financially. I think that's important to them. The same way they did it with... Baysmore, where they they get another expensive type player who is a reasonable facsimile of what he can be as a small forward. I think there's a there could be a move out there where the Blazers try to flip us Hassan Whiteside and get a little bit cheaper. And I think why I was maybe skeptical of this do of this them making the move before is because I didn't think that they would go all in on cost cutting. Now it seems like they are signaling. This trade seems to me to be signaling to the rest of the league that if you if you want to help us out, we're willing to give you second-round picks for your troubles. They gave the Kings these second-round picks for them for their troubles. The Kings backs basically the price of taking on the salary considerations. We want to picks, you know, four and five years down the road. The Blazers could do something similar like that again to get out from Whiteside's money and get a little bit cheaper. I don't think they're going to go all in and be bad the same way I don't think they are gonna they were going to go all in and be good. I think they're much, you know, one of the reasons why I thought they would stay put is because there's much less likely to take on long-term money and, and take on real risk. But I don't think they're going to totally tank this season. Uh, I think they would like to make deals similar to the one they made with the Kings that appears on the face to be ab- also about basketball, or at least that they can sell it as we are still bad a competitive team trying to be competitive and look we're not an upper echelon team in the west but we have not given up on our goal of making the playoffs i think they're open for business i think that's what's next is that it is three weeks two and a half weeks of trying to figure out a palatable deal for hassan whiteside i don't think that's by any means a done deal um i don't think they'll They'll do something where they have to take on money that they don't want down the line, like. But it would if there's a uh, partially guaranteed deal like Trevor Ariza's, maybe that that could appeal to them. Uh, just eating a little dead money, eating into their cap space that they weren't really gonna be able to do too too much anyways. I think that could appeal to them. But I think the Blazers have sent out the signal. They're willing to get cheaper if you can help them out. And I think that will, I think this trade will, will start to increase the communication the Blazers have with teams. The I mean, obviously the, I've explained it before these, it's not like these trades come out of nowhere. These are things uh, executives talk about for months and then work up to, they say, you know, if you are interested in cost cutting, we would be, you know, we, we could help you out. So, these trades wouldn't come out of the blue, but I think this makes this could get the momentum going on real discussions. This isn't a prediction that Hassan Whiteside's getting moved. This is a prediction that, that I'm just saying, don't be surprised if he does. Don't be this. This is because of how important cutting salary seems to be to them all of a sudden, not surprisingly considering the product on the floor. Don't be surprised if they dump Hassan Whiteside to get cheaper. I don't think a full-on tank is coming. But I do think that the Blazers could sacrifice a couple wins and maybe a playoff spot if it got them out of the luxury tax. It's important for them. It's the unfortunate situation of um, a very expensive team underperforming. You have to make decisions like this. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Appreciate you all for listening. Do me a favor. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get where they already get podcasts. That's on Google, Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.